it's up to you and me to shine a guiding light and lead the way. United by our cause, we have the power to pursue what we believe. We'll achieve the realization of our dreams. Hello and welcome to this episode of New Horizons. I'm Vaughan Benison. Thanks once again for your company. Blind Citizens Australia has put a large focus and done a lot of work on mentoring and leadership over the last couple of years. We've heard about the Life Ready Project and we've heard about many other things besides. Today, we're going to talk about mentoring from another perspective. Kim Ryan works with Visibility Guide Dogs Tasmania and was recently awarded a scholarship to undertake a very interesting project. Why don't you first start by describing your role and uh, and what it is that you do with guide dogs? So I'm the coordinator of guide dog services here in Tasmania. And as part of that role, I'm overseeing the puppy development program and all of our volunteers on that program, training guide dogs and then working with our clients as well. So um, it's quite enjoyable here in Tasmania that you have a little foot in every um, side of the training of a guide dog and follow those dogs all the way through. You're seeing a, a relatively small number of dogs um, eventually being matched with a relatively small number of clients and of course you've got puppies even prior to that. Do you think that uh, that is a real advantage? I think it is. I think the biggest advantage we've got is that we've got people that are working with clients and seeing the client's needs in a dog working with our puppy program and starting them off at a very young age. And we've certainly seen some huge changes in our success rates and um, had some great feedback from clients about the behaviours of dogs by just making some small changes back in the puppy program to make it easier with those pups growing up. Mm. I guess really in a lot of countries they do um, self-training and things like that for guide dogs, don't they? And that's not something that we've really taken too much in Australia. But I wonder if uh, perhaps having a relatively small number of people involved in the whole in the whole thing is it makes it a little bit closer to that. It makes it a little bit closer to that and certainly if we know which clients are coming up for replacement dogs or are looking for their first time dog, we can sort of start training those dogs a little bit sooner to their specific needs, especially if we're sort of seeing some some behaviours in the dogs that we really like and think might be suited to those clients. Now recently you uh, went to Croatia for uh, some time to discuss their puppy program and their dog program. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, certainly. So I was very lucky at the International Federation Conference to win the Derek Freeman Scholarship, which focuses on practical applications and endeavours with puppy development and breeding across the guide dog world. Um, so for Tasmania to win that alone was pretty exciting um, that our program got recognised for that. And as part of that program, it was a project looking at how we could be utilising older dogs more to model appropriate behaviours to younger pups and aim at using them out and about on walks and on training sessions and things just to try and produce a less stressful learning environment for puppies and quicker adaptation in our puppies and overall hopefully a higher success rate of our pups coming through. I suppose it's a bit like uh, older children working with younger children in some of those uh, programs that are run by education departments. Are we talking here about working guide dogs, working with puppies to to model that behaviour? More, more so our training dogs and our older puppies on our programs. So we'd never want to sort of interrupt a working guide dog's routine once it's with a client. And certainly once it's with a client, we say that no one else should be handling that dog to bond to the client and work successfully for them. We have monthly group training sessions where all of our puppy raisers come in and we noticed 
by placing the really noisy little puppies that are so excited to be there next to some of the older training dogs that were just sitting there going, what's all the noise about? What are you What are you talking about? Come on, calm down. Um, and incidentally, we started to notice a huge change in the behaviours and the calmness of the dogs. We've also um, had at times where I've had a training dog with me and the puppies just the little eight-week-old, 10-week-old, 12-week-old puppies that don't want to go on a bus or don't want to go on an escalator. Um, we've walked the older dog on first, just accidentally and the puppies just chased it on and gone oh cool we're going on something new um so reducing the stressful environment through training um making things that are really scary for our little pups nice and calm because they've got a big brother like a mentor there Mm. with them and showing them what to do yeah, I think uh, that mentoring within humans is well established and it's uh, it's well known what the uh, the ramifications and the impacts on having a mentor can be for, for people in all areas of life. And I guess uh, this is not something really that's new for dogs, is it? No, it has been done in other fields, working dog fields, where they've put older sheep dogs with younger sheep puppies coming on and things like that. Um, Sled dogs, there's always older dogs at the front of the crew or experienced dogs at the front of the sled and the younger ones behind. Um, I think it's just something we often forget. We kind of look at the guide dog program and think by four months they should be doing this, by six months they should be doing this. When they come in for training, they should be able to do this. And we've never really looked at how we can support them a little bit more um, to make it a fun learning environment for them at the same time. Mm. So tell us about Croatia and uh, what you discovered there. So Croatia was amazing just to sort of completely immerse myself into it. I am pretty hectic here in Tasmania, so um, to get away from the program here that I've been looking after for many years now and just sort of step back and be able to observe for a little while um, and also share an awful lot of what we're doing with them as well. It was just really nice. So I stayed on site for two weeks um, and completely immersed in all of the programs there. Their puppy program, um, they have things called Little School, Big School. So Little School was the younger pups and they'd meet three nights a week at the local shopping centre which was quite an eye-opener because there's an awful lot happens at the huge big local shopping centres over there but then they would bring in the older training dogs and and the dogs get them coming up sitting next to the training dogs on the escalators with the training dogs um, and just seeing those older dogs presence Um, and then big school was the older pups on their program so um, they would come in as well and, and do a bit more intense training Talking to the volunteers over there and the staff over there and and other things that they've sort of looked at is they noticed incidentally when an instructor took a puppy home for the weekend and it was around the training dogs, the pup learnt so much just by itself. Like, oh, you're sitting down waiting next to the food bowl quietly. I might sit too and I might get my dinner. Um, You came back when that whistle was blowing. I'll just chase you. Oh, okay, so that's what we're doing. So they now actually place pups in homes where there might be an older puppy still in the home. So they're dual puppy raising. Um, and that, that calmness, the quickness of learning, um, that incidental learning where they're not actually having to shape the puppy themselves, they're learning off the older dog. Do you know if there's any reason why this hasn't been done previously? I think it has been done previously in some schools around the world um, and certainly at times I've heard, I've read papers and things on it. I think we tend to focus on things like the STEP program and, and things which are that certain time target like children's milestones I guess Mm. they're looking at that in the puppies as well Um, I also think with the larger schools you've got the challenge of whole litters and training at once and and coming through the puppy program at once whereas we are lucky that on our puppy program we have um, two puppies enter our program at a time so we have eight week old puppies on the program alongside four month old puppies 
six-month-old puppies, eight-month-old puppies. So we've got that range, whereas the larger schools have got 10 eight-week-old puppies that they're dealing with at the same time. Yeah, and I guess, uh, you know, it's economies of scale, isn't it? The, the more you have, the more you have to deal with and the and the more behavioural traits, I suppose, and personality traits you have to deal with as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think the reason why we really brought it back and focused on the puppy program was we are a small school with um, a smaller number. We need those dogs to be successful. So how could we have made those dogs more successful and that was certainly talking to the clients of what they needed and and coming back and looking at it Uh, and we have got a fairly high success rate for a very small school but we've needed that to get those pups out there with clients. Mm -hmm. How does uh, Tasmania compare with Croatia do you think in terms of uh, or I guess Australia generally in in terms of uh, guide dogs and, uh, and therapy dogs? The really exciting thing is that when I presented at conference last year, we got really good feedback. So we presented on our full puppy program um, to the International Federation Conference. And scarily, for my first time presenting, it sold out because you had to take seat numbers beforehand. um, And we got moved to a bigger room. But it kind of just put a lot more um, realisation in my mind that Tasmania is doing amazing things for such a small program and we're kind of isolated and don't realise that we are but when you go to those world scale conferences and start talking to people and they start asking for your information and then they start asking you to come and present further that we realise we are doing great things for such a small school and a small state. Guide Dogs Croatia um, train a range of assistance dogs and they actually run a therapy dog program on site as well for children with disabilities. And I think that sort of comes in as you get more dogs that might not necessarily be suitable for guide dogs, but they're beautiful dogs and they've got a really good temperament. But guide dog works pretty hard, as as, um, a lot of those clients know. They're taking... A lot of the responsibility and having to do a lot of decision making themselves and that can be quite hard on a dog so we've got beautiful dogs that don't quite meet the grade they're utilizing them for children's therapy sessions for assistance dogs for children with autism um, and that's certainly something that we are now in the process of looking at here in Tasmania and developing with some of those dogs that don't meet the grade. So this is a little bit more isn't it than just the uh, emotional support animal program that has been around for some time this is actual physical therapy work and things like that? It certainly is. So our autism assistance program will train the dogs specifically to react to children with autism um, and try and st- prevent the bulk behaviour, um, provide support when they're having um, over sensory overload and starting all of that. So the dogs will be trained to support that. And our therapy dogs certainly... They're not just sitting in the room. They're actually participating in the therapy sessions. So... The tears in my eyes and stuff, just watching the stuff in Croatia when children were brought out of wheelchairs and, and there was a frame placed on the dog and the children would, were learning to walk alongside the dog and watching the foot placement of the dog's paws and following that. Um, and like therapy sessions, physiotherapy sessions, where they were doing things with the dog to learn to reach for fine motor development, for core development. Um, the dog crawling through a tunnel and the, the kid following behind and learning how to crawl That when beforehand they'd just been lying on the floor and things like that. So the therapy program with, with an assistance therapy dog, that dog is an integral part of the therapy. That must have a profound impact not only on the children but on their families. Talking to some of the families, it was just amazing because they said the children want to come to therapy sessions to participate with the dog, whereas beforehand they're just in a room, kind of been manipulated, reach for that, reach for that. Um, And it's just not, they weren't being driven to, to 
push themselves further um, and then the children coming in and they might have been having a bad day and sensory overload and they walk into the centre and then suddenly the they see the dogs um, and they just light up and I think it takes a pretty special type of dog to have that patience and perseverance as well but they certainly they had four dogs that they um, all of the physiotherapists were using over there and it was just amazing to see the family's response the children's response. Mm. This isn't something that's really been done in Australia much before. Are you hoping that uh, Tas- that Tasmania can uh, be a pioneer in this area? We are certainly looking at that. So Western Australia um, guide dogs in their children's therapy centre now have a therapy dog, and we are currently looking at one of our dogs at the moment and, and looking at training that up to support our children's therapy centre on the eastern shore. Mm. It sounds like a really um, a really good idea. Mm. I've just, just seeing the the motivation, the smiles in the children, and the the parents saying how quickly they've developed in the with the dog therapy versus the the generic therapy sessions. And that was Kim Ryan from Visibility Guide Dogs Tasmania. That's it for this week's program. I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, if you'd like to contact Blind Citizens Australia, bca.org.au is the website. The telephone number is one eight hundred o double three double six zero. The number again, one eight hundred o double three double six zero. The email address, of course, is bca at bca.org.au. BCA at bca.org.au. If you'd like to donate to Blind Citizens Australia, of course, there is a myriad of ways in which you can do that. Have a look on the website and you'll find more information. And I'll talk to you again next week. We'll achieve the realization of a dream. Of our dream.